0: Hello and welcome to the PE Insights Podcast, conversations about physical education with me, Nathan Walker. Thank you for joining me. You're very, very welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as we delve into another insight around physical education. Today's episode has been recorded in association with PE Scholar. PE scholars' aim is to help physical education thrive. They provide outstanding resources, expert-led courses, and they aim to bridge the gap between theory and practice. Now, for anyone who's been following the PE Insights podcast, you'll recognize that this was the first vodcast episode that we launched on the YouTube channel. So this is the podcast version of that vodcast conversation. So if you've already watched the video, you're going to listen to the same conversation in this podcast episode but we thought we'd launch both to increase the accessibility. And as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode and the VODcast episode, either on YouTube or on X. Leave us a comment and share your thoughts. So without further ado, it gives me great pleasure to be able to introduce Liz durden Myers to the PE Insights podcast. Liz is the founder of PE Scholar. She's an educational consultant and a physical educator a senior lecturer in PE at Bath Spa Uni and the University of Gloucestershire. Liz has had a career that has uh, explored physical literacy to the nth degree. Her PhD was supervised by Dr. Margaret Whitehead and she is a real ambassador for the term physical literacy. And in this episode, she's gonna to help to unpack the term in line with a new consensus statement and share her wealth of knowledge so that us as the listener can understand what the term means for us as physical educators. Liz, welcome to the PE Insights podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're very, you're very welcome. Um, I've been trying to pin you down to talk physical literacy for a long time, so uh, thank you for joining me. So let's start with the um, the first question that everyone gets. Tell us and the listeners a little bit about your journey so far.
1: So I actually didn't start off um, straight into teaching. So I was in the military before I became an educator. So I I left school and joined the Royal Navy. And then I was playing lots of sport whilst uh, travelling the world on my ship, um, HMS Liverpool. Hmm. And I think I quickly realised that maybe I'd taken a little bit of a wrong turn and maybe I'd missed my vocation to be a PE teacher. So I i left the navy and went to the university of bedfordshire to study a four-year qts course um, with the team up there Um, Mm -hmm. during that time is where i'm when i met um, dr margaret whitehead which is a really important moment because she will also feature quite heavily later on in the journey so yeah yeah, after qualifying as a secondary pe teacher i then got my first teaching job in devises in wiltshire where I then became a school 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 sports coordinator. And I just really loved teaching EYFS all the way through up to A-Level and the real um, mental gymnastics you need to have as a teacher <laughs> to be able to go from teaching swimming with um, four-year-olds with forks yeah. and spoons and all the way up to, right, I'm in Krebs cycle now with my A-Level group and everything in between. Mm. And I just really loved creating all of those positive and meaningful experiences for every individual, whether that would be through competitive sport or through inclusive festivals, just really helping everybody find their love and joy of movement. And hopefully mm. that those experiences would, would lead into their later adulthood. So I did yeah. that for quite a few years. And then I, I'm, this is where you'll get a sense of, I'm a little bit crazy, some people might say, in that I did two masters whilst teaching. And I think a lot of people ask me, like, why did I do that? And I think it's because mm. I, I love learning and I love learning how to become a better educator and trying to get that theory to enhance my practice. So I did those two masters um, course teaching and was really trying to hone my craft and try and really be the best educator I could be. And then after my second master's was complete, Margaret Whitehead had um Kind of taking me under her wing whilst I was teaching anyway, and said, "How about doing a PhD in physical literacy?" So I said, "Yep, yeah, go on then. Um, why not?" And then I, I was trying to balance a PhD whilst teaching full time. stuff. I was going
0: to ask you were doing a PhD whilst you were
1: teaching. Yeah, and it just it wasn't. I, I was doing um, not a great job of the PhD to be honest in that first year. Right. It was just it was. I, I quickly realised that I needed to kind of dedicate a little bit more time to the PhD to make it um Mm -hmm. successful so that's when i left education and went in well left secondary education and went into higher education so moved up to liverpool john moore's university and um was a program leader um for the ba ons in pe and then i um, moved back home not so long ago so my hometown is is bath um so i moved back home um to start a family but i also then got a um, a job at the University of Gloucestershire and Bath Spa University on the PPGC course. So I, I, I support two PGC programs at two universities in the southwest, and it is this is an absolutely fantastic and really privileged job where I get to work with the aspiring P teachers of tomorrow and with the, the partnership as well. So it is the mm. best of both worlds for me in that I get yeah. to be with um, with new newly. Well, aspiring new teachers but also work with the partnership and see what's happening within schools and really help yeah, at, yeah. That, at that real meeting of practice and research and university mm. and practice and schools um and and so i finished the phd in 2020 which was all about trying to operationalize physical literacy which will i'm sure we'll have a really rich conversation yeah. about shortly um and i'm just really passionate about um helping young people have the best possible start in life um, through mm. physical education and the the kind of rich experiences that we can create in pe
0: amazing so just from my curiosity as well where did pe scholar when did that happen in your in that process yeah Was it obviously during the phd when you were in higher education or did you have the thoughts around when you're in school
1: so it was literally straight out of the university. So it, I started it in 2010 and I qualified in 2010. And what happened was, is that, you know, what it's like when you're on placement yourself, you're creating these resources. Some of yeah. my um, peers on, on the course were saying, oh, can you share that with me? And mm-hmm. then actually I got into school and was creating resources and, and even the teachers were saying, can you share that with me? And yeah. luckily I've got um, my other half, he's quite tech savvy. So he um, spun me up a website quite quickly. And that's where PE Scholar was born in 2010, which was all about just trying to support other teachers um, with our workload, really. And if somebody's got a great resource, you know, the best the best thing about education and PE teachers, especially is we are normally quite good at sharing resources, sharing ideas, the collegiality between the team. There is that kind of team ethos, isn't it? We do share. and and I think it's in the nature of teaching as well, all the best ideas you normally pinch from somebody else's lesson. So I just thought it'd be great to create that sharing platform so we're not kind of reinventing the wheel, but we're just learning from one another um, and Mm. utilizing each other's resources.
0: Yeah, and the message is still clear, isn't it? But did did you envisage it getting as big as it is? when well, you when you started it
1: no i didn't I, I think it was always just a kind of a bit of a trying to give back but actually what where we are now if i would have know now what i knew then um you know i'm absolutely blown away with how mm. the the network has grown and the fantastic practitioners and academics that we've got involved in the mm. organization and and the community that we serve and also that co- contributes towards the resources um yeah. and ultimately though if it's about it's about just making a difference and helping teachers teach. Because you know, I I was a previous educator. I'm still connected with lots of teachers. I mm-hmm. know it's really tough. Um, you've only got so many hours in the day. So if we can help in any way, kind of um, enhance your teaching in the classroom to make a difference to those young people, then it's um, it's worth absolutely every every uh, contribution that we put onto P Scholar.
0: Yeah. It's brilliant. From my personal perspective, I've used it lots and our trainees use it a lot. So so thanks for, for forming the idea and thanks for the development to, to where it is today. Um, so let's move on to um, a question that I know you could probably talk for hours about, which is um, why is physical education the subject important to you and to young people?
1: So I think if I start off with why it's important to me, and I'm, I'm probably going to talk about my own lived experience now, I think the reason why I'm so passionate about Physical education is probably as a result of the experiences that I held, um, mm. or, or, or I experienced as a um, as a, a child growing growing up. So my, my PE teachers were fantastic to me, and they helped um, not only shape me as a. Um, sports person and someone engaged in physical activity but they shaped me as an individual Um, they helped me grow in lots of different ways from whether it's my resilience or whether it's um, how to communicate with others Um, and that happened within school but it also then gave me the foundation to go and participate in physical activity outside of school and Mm. some of those experiences that i've had as a, outside of school, again, have really helped to round me off as an individual. So for example, I played a lot of golf when I was younger and being able to hold a conversation with a stranger at, at, in the first tee, but by the 18th tee, you know lots about them as an individual and, and having that shared experience through a great game um, as well. Mm. Um, I, I, you learned more than just being physically active, but it was a vehicle to even wider learning. So I yeah. think that I've benefited tremendously from my engagement in physical activity, um, and that was shaped very much by my, my parents, but also my PE teachers. And now even as an adult, um, engage, physical activity for me is, is an integral part of my life. It can help me in multiple ways. It's stuff that I enjoy doing. Mm. Also when I'm feeling overworked or um slightly stressed or if I'm I'm not um feeling like on top of the world or, or thriving or flourishing, physical activity is that um escape for me where I can have mm. some time for me, reconnect with myself, my environment, you know, kind of regroup and go back into the world or back into the world of work. Um refreshed, topped up, ready mm-hmm. to go again. So I think I have a personal and unique journey with physical education and then how does that inform why I think physical physical education is important? And I think it's going back to that point that physical education is a unique opportunity and that it's the only opportunity all young people will have to interact with a educator or specialist, and we've got a fantastic window of opportunity where we can ignite that passion for sport and physical activity in every young person. And traditionally, potentially, we haven't been great at capturing everybody and finding the love and joy of movement for everybody. We probably mm-hmm. maybe just geared towards those already active or those that have already kind of found that disposition and kind of supercharged their 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 outcomes whereas i think i had a bit of a light bulb moment when i was teaching where i kind of fell into that pedagogy of necessity where i was having those great um sports teams that were doing really really well in extracurricular and i was really doing really well with my a level and gcse groups but how much was i really making a difference to those people that were not engaged um Mm -hmm. and how was i really reaching out to them and i think in back when i was teaching. I had a, a child who came to me in year seven. Who um, the first unit was gymnastics, and she couldn't tie her shoelaces. Um, she, she found it really difficult to get changed, and I kind of yeah. had a um, a moment there where I was like, "Look, this this is what PE is all about. This is this this, this child. I'm I'm her PE teacher. If I don't support her, what other interaction is she going to get to be able to love uh, find her love and joy of movement?" So mm-hmm. kind of um, a lot of the Work that Margaret had instilled, um, I kind of revisited, kind of thought about how could we create these inclusive physical education experiences that didn't leave anyone behind and locked mm. uh, and, and, and unlocked everybody's potential. So kind of from that point forwards, I really did view my my role as PE teacher with that physical literacy lens. Yeah. And I I'm, I don't want to steal the thunder for later on, but I think yeah, going back to the point around why is PE important. It's a unique opportunity where we can, in that window of time, try and unlock a lifetime love and joy of physical activity and movement and lay the foundations for a flourishing physical activity, um, a a life full of physical activity. And if we don't get that right, right, those formative experiences, we know that we'll either turn off a generation or we can um, get a generation excited and enjoying their own physical activity, which will hopefully last a lifetime.
0: Absolutely. So you regularly go into schools with your, your, in your role and your role both, across both institutes. Yes. Um, do you see a movement away from perhaps that, you know I don't want to say traditional, but perhaps a, an approach that focused on a particular way of teaching PE? And are, they, are PE lessons looking a bit more inclusive now and challenging all learners? Are they becoming more meaningful?
1: Absolutely. I think um, f- from the lessons that I've observed and just thinking about the the 10 years or, or and plus that I've been in education, I think that physical education has been on an absolute um, revolution in terms of what's actually delivered in the classroom. That notion of that holistic learning experience is certainly there. Where we're looking not just at the skill drill, you know, but we are actually looking at the mm-hmm. whole person within that. And um, the focus on adaptive teaching, and personalization and making sure that every young person in that lesson has the just the right challenge and a meaningful experience. Mm. I I'm I think that you know physical education teaching at the moment is highly sophisticated, um, and I, I'm I, I'm I'm the biggest advocate for PE teachers. I think that we have a tremendous when we do it well, um, it's incredible to watch a, a, a successful PE lesson. And we don't just mm. do that, but we do it in multiple activity areas across the year group. So we we are, um, yeah. It's a challenging job, but I think when you get it right, it can be really, really transformational.
0: So, I I completely agree. I think you know from my own experiences, I'm seeing the same shift as well, which is which is brilliant. I think we need to find a balance as well, though, in in, in the sense that movement should always be at the heart of it. You know, we do have these wider aims and, and, you know, to be more holistic and inclusive, but we want to make sure that the focus is still focused on relationships with movement, right? Which kind of brings us nicely onto our, as the sort of main section of today, you have done so much research around physical literacy in your journey and obviously your PhD and your work with, with Margaret and, you know, you're a, a true advocate for physical literacy. So I think we'd be foolish not to talk about that on today's episode, so probably a chance now for you to share your insights on physical literacy with a listener.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, you're right, physical literacy is my mastermind subject, it's the thing I love Mm. the most. I could probably talk uh, anybody um, around physical literacy for a long, long while, but I'll try for the listeners to put that knowledge that I've kind of gleaned from Um, working Mm -hmm. with experts in the field, but also with practitioners um, into a few nutshells, really. So for anyone that's not come across physical literacy um, just yet, um, I'll I'll walk you through kind of like the history of it. So um, Dr. Margaret Whitehead was the originator of the concept as we currently understand it today Mm. in terms of its contemporary understanding of what physical literacy is. And Margaret um, started the concept because she noticed so she was a previous physical education um, teacher also she noticed this kind of drive towards competitive elitist um, physical education that was potentially Mm -hmm. not as holistic or inclusive as it could be and so she kind of um her, her work was predominantly in, in philosophy as well. So she drew quite a few of these fields together to kind of construct this contemporary understanding of what physical literacy is. And she defined it as um, the motivation confidence, physical competence, and knowledge and understanding to value and take responsibility for engagement in physical activity for life. So that was the definition that um, she started back in the 1990s. And then that's the definition that the IPLA or the International Physical Literacy Mm -hmm. Association settled on in around 2017. So. What that means is, and a lot of people talk to me around like, "Well, that's a really complex definition." Yeah. But we, within there though, it's, it, it does provide the means to the ends. And, and what I mean by that is, the means are the the motivation, confidence, competence, and knowledge and understanding. So if we if we can provide those things in all, all our young people and within p- people in general, then they're more likely to value and take responsibility for engagement in physical activity. Mm. And I think um, it's quite um it was really revolutionary at the time because no one was really talking about that holistic development of the individual we were still quite focused on the um the physical competency which of course is really really important but not the mm. the motivation to be physically active or the confidence whilst being active or the knowledge and understanding about physical activity so that yeah. holistic approach was one of the key um i call them pillars like three pillars of physical literacy so that was one pillar that margaret kind of really established that holistic approach to um to our relationship with physical activity and then the second pillar was this notion all around that we um we create ourselves as we interact within the world. And what what she was really getting at there was that we are a product of our experiences. So if we have a range of negative experiences um, about physical activity or about PE and sort of those horror stories start to chime in, your, in the back of your mm-hmm. mind, isn't it, around if you speak to certain generations, they'll say that they hate or individuals yeah. even, they hated PE, they were made to run around a, a sports field while the teacher drank coffee. Like mm-hmm. some of those horrific experiences that young people had, the, the fear of the changing rooms. It's human nature that will then avoid those experiences. And so that pillar was all about trying to reframe the nature of the experience and and the um, positive and meaningful experiences in movement and physical activity. So we need to be much more intentional around the, the the experiences that we create in our young people because they mm. will be formative and, and long lasting um, and we want as many positive and meaningful experiences as possible and then finally the third pillar which was all about this kind of notion of being personalised and inclusive and recognising that everybody is on their own unique physical literacy journey. So it's not about mm. comparing people X with Y or individual X with Y. It's about understanding we all have our own unique potential um, and we need to maximise our own journey. It's not about comparison to other people. So again, this is all uh, coming at a time within education, if we're speaking educationally, around you know, assessment without levels, looking at it more yeah. personalized. So actually it's really timely with what some of the innovations in education are happening around at the moment. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of physical actually, in, a, in a nutshell in terms of those three sound bites. So holistic, range of positive and meaningful experiences, and also that inclusive, lifelong and unique journey and then it's even more exciting at the moment um, because we've just had um, the physical literacy consensus statement for england get launched in september which was a um, a collection of 60 experts that worked for 18 months to try and create a even more user-friendly definition Mm -hmm. um, to help england um, across a range of sectors whether that's education sport um, leisure health all to kind of use physical literacy as that golden thread and that common language that we can try and position ourselves around to try and help improve physical activity engagement for all so it yeah. is a life course concept um that does go from birth all the way through to, to adulthood and older adulthood but in terms of physical education we have got a great opportunity to get those foundations um, really strong and laid um, in the formative years because we do know that childhood engagement and physical activity does track through into adulthood engagements and we know that the engagement levels at the moment, especially post-pandemic and Mm -hmm. mental health and well-being in schools, we are not in a great place and there's certain groups and individuals that have even more barriers um, ahead of them in terms of unlocking their own physical activity. Mm So physical literacy is a great way in which we can um i like to use it as a this analogy of a, like a lens it's a great lens we can use to interrogate our practice because if we want that lifelong engagement in physical activity and if you use that physical literacy lens we're more likely to be able to uh, bring about those results
0: hmm. so a lot of it is to do with the relationship with movement right and so how do we how are you encouraging people pe teachers to improve that relationship with movement and what can they do in their practice to try and assist that
1: yeah so um i think that there's lots of things you can do um and firstly is about understanding um what what are the children's relationships with movement in front in front of you like Yes, we have them for 50 minutes a day, but do you know what they do outside of the, the classroom? Do you know what they partake in at lunchtime, mm-hmm. at break times, in their at leisure time? How active are they? You know, often we actually um, – I've had this certainly in my career. I've spoken to teachers that have done this around actually there are – sometimes there are really highly active individuals, but they don't necessarily um, – they, they might participate in sports that are not on the curriculum, but we mm. need to be better at capturing that. So if they, you have got um, somebody that's participating in judo or they're walking the dog regularly or they're doing, yeah. what do they enjoy for fun? Um, we should be trying to be a bit more mindful around that and that that whole physical activity picture and how does this physical education lesson contribute towards that. But in terms of specific relationships, I think that you know it's looking at, motivation, confidence, competence, and knowledge and understanding, or the consensus statement would would say, think, move, feel, and connect. Mm -hmm. If I like to use this analogy of like, imagine that as a padlock, a combination padlock, and you're not gonna unlock physical activity unless you've got the combination just right, so right. it might be for some individuals, it's their confidence that needs boosting. For other individuals, it might be their motivation. For others, it might be their physical competence and that needs a bit of boosting. Mm-hmm. And for others, it might be their knowledge and understanding. But what we're trying to do constantly is just turn the dials, try and unlock physical activity. And it will be mm-hmm. different for every individual. Yeah. But it's really important that we, we try and look at... For, for that and try and have that personal growth. Um, mm. and One of the best things that teachers can do is just reflect on their lessons as they walk out. So set some holistic learning objectives. And then on on the way back into the changing rooms, just chat to the person on the way in or reflect on your own lesson yourself, like to what extent did I try and support their motivation, their confidence, their competence, and knowledge and understanding? And you know, was it a, which which part of that wasn't um, as great that today? Um, And as long as you're continually reflecting and using physical literacy as that lens, how could it be more inclusive? How could it be more meaningful for them? How Mm. could I develop their confidence? And there's lots of strategies you could employ probably too many to include for the podcast but there's yeah. loads of things you can do um but the point is is that physical literacy is the rationale like so that's the, mm. the lens through which you interrogate your practice um and yeah. i would also say you know start with those furthest behind because um or the ones with the most barriers because they're the ones that really need you those those individuals that are already engaged in coming to you extracurricular mm. and engaged outside in community sport and physical activity you know yes you need to focus on them too and, and stretch and challenge them but but not to the detriment of those that are not engaged in anything else they're the ones that mm. really really need your support
0: yeah so you mentioned in the in the last part about assessment and assessment at the time when physical literacy was was kind of blowing up even more than it already was assessment um, without levels came into to place and obviously we go into schools regularly and see very different types of assessment in physical education would you then be an advocate for those four things that padlock being what how we should use assessment should those four areas play into our assessment design in PE
1: so I've, I think that assessment sh- should be motivational so um, often um, assessment is a is a objective view um that can be actually really demotivating um Mm. so i think whatever you're doing around assessment it needs to be motivational for the young person receiving it um if you're told your confidence is zero out of five or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. that could be really demotivating and and self-affirming that actually maybe this isn't for me so i think we need to kind of interrogate a little bit more around what is purposeful assessment and what is motivating Mm -hmm. because if we want children to fall in love with movement and enjoy being physically active and feel that sense of achievement and accomplishment and that they're good at things, we need to kind of celebrate what they're doing really, really well and provide supportive, um, constructive criticism for how they could improve. Mm -hmm. So I think however it's like how it's delivered is really, really important. And I don't think that we often talk about that enough um, around how, how was that, feedback received, um, was it motivational? How did it mm-hmm. inform the, the next piece of learning? Traditionally in PE, it's been quite difficult because we've had that, um, Will Swathes calls it that sawtooth approach where you might um, assess against one sport or activity that they're, they're good at or they've had good exposure to and it's high and then they'll go into another activity area and it might be low and mm-hmm. then high and low and high. And, low. and how can you, in an education system where we're supposed to be demonstrating progression across yeah. the year, um, mm. How are we actually capturing that? So I think, I definitely think moving away some of the practices that we are moving away from is the way forward, but yeah, definitely conversations around how motivated they are, um, how confident they are, how, what their phys- how they're developing their physical competence and their knowledge and understanding, but also maybe um, what do they do outside of school? Um, and maybe we should mm. be also rewarding that, that habitual element of how active are you? Um, yeah. Because there's lots of models like there's a Stoddard model that's really um good uh kind of articulating that physical competence element that um it talks about physical competence is um is it's dependent on a, f- a few areas one physical activity one physical um fitness one perceived physical competence and then mm-hmm. physical competence because actually being active you're more likely to perceive yourself as being physically competent mm-hmm which is more likely to improve your fitness, which is more likely to improve your physical competence and so on, and it can mm. become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But also the reverse can be true as well. And why I raised this as well is that, going back to the how it received by the students, is that, that perceived physical competence is so important because we used to talk about the post-16 gap where um, people stop participating in physical activity after the age of 16. But we're actually talking about a post- um eight gap. so in key stage two now children are are disengaging from physical activity um so that Mm. this this, is the drop is there now and what we think it might be attributed to is that we're we're bursting that bubble um a bit too soon where we're saying you know their perception of how good they are is is being burst um and and that that positive self-perception of being good absolutely Mm. so we need to try and um be motivational. Be encouraging. Try and keep that perceived physical competence high. That, that that being positive about physical activity. And I would say, in terms of assessment, it's a. But I would be rewarding effort over necessarily attainment because we know what that you know that might be maturational it might be around exposure but mm. you definitely need to reward effort And we know that from like the task mastery sort of approach that if we yeah, reward yeah. effort and engagement um then physical competence motivation all that will come um mm. but if we're just rewarding attainment that's probably actually really demotivating for those that are going back to that point around who needs us most
0: yeah So a lot of what you said is you mentioned the word motivation quite regularly in that. And, you know, I'm thinking about my understanding of self-determination theory and intrinsic motivation and those three tenets of autonomy, competence and relatedness. And you've kind of touched upon all of those things, you know, competence, as you said, perceived competence is massively important relatedness being relationships that we have in a group or relationships with our teacher or how we feel in that environment. but Then autonomy is is the one thing that maybe we haven't kind of touched upon. And a lot of what you've said does link to sort of the the research around meaningful experiences in PE at the minute around voice and choice. And is that something that physical literacy advocates for as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um it's that old age saying isn't it like, nothing about us without us and that c- it should mm. be um co-designed and and co-constructed and one yeah. of the things that um physical literacy advocates for is that that gradual increasing of autonomy so actually mm-hmm. a, a good physical education experience is where the teacher designs themselves out of the learning experience because if we want them to be autonomous individuals by the time they leave us and take responsibility for their own engagement we have to give them the choice and um mm-hmm. you know having autonomy and choice is a skill that like we need to um, facilitate that within our lessons so I also think that it's really powerful for motivation, like you say as well, around um, their choice. So can it be co-designed? So can, there can mm. be some direct instruction elements, but also can they start to take responsibility for their own engagement? Could they um, offer a progression? Could they adapt it? Could they um, come back to another with another idea? Could they say, could I try this new skill? Um, so definitely mm. um, providing autonomy is really important in there, otherwise um, they're not gonna be these um, individuals that take responsibility and engage in physical activity, if we haven't mm-hmm. given them any sort of choice and autonomy along the way.
0: Yeah. And I know there's lots of PE teachers that listen to this, that kind of go, yeah, I know Nath, but we've got you know, a sequence of learning. We've got to get through, we've got objectives, we've got plans. our departments moving in this direction, but, but every little bit helps, right? Any opportunity for them to feel part of something uh to to have say whether it's choice of challenge in an activity whether it's an optional lesson objective or an objective that runs alongside your key objective i think it's just the small things those marginal gains will add up over time but yeah. i i get that you know it's it's challenging to change big scale things but if you're a p teacher and you're listening to this just what could you do that maybe leans towards this that might add some meaning to their experience if they're not experiencing that
1: yeah, so I mean it's that whole but going back to your teaching philosophy of um are they, are you being done to or is it being done with? And I'm very much uh it's a being mm-hmm. done with. We're fifty percent stakeholders um in in this lesson mm. you know I'm, I'm here i can only go 50 percent of the way i have to have my pupils meeting me halfway um mm. and it's that co-construction together some of the best lessons i've ever taught is where i've been in more of a facilitator role and the, and the students have mm. really have um taken the lead and they they, they can um that they can provide that just right challenge because they know how it feels for them and they can yeah find that just right challenge but for example there's loads of tweaks that you can do and it's kind of like um, physical literacy is it is like the gift that keeps on giving once you think in this way it's actually really easy to adapt most lessons to think in a more of a holistic um physical literacy informed way so Mm -hmm. a, a specific example could be Traditionally, like in a HRE unit, you might do a circuit where you go from station to station and you might have a, this is the traditional lesson that you might see, you might have a progression of a, of a, um, a push-up and, and a regression um, and you might go around and everyone's on a time station and, and that's kind of like a standard sort of, of way to approach a health-related exercise lesson. From a physical literacy point of view, thinking about like how could I make this more holistic, yes you'd have those holistic learning objectives but you would potentially do some tweaks to that activity area so like for example relatedness could you go around with a partner someone that you feel comfortable with that would hit that um, relatedness kind of element whether mm. they're working hard for a partner could you introduce you know what it's like when you're even if you're doing it yourself you work harder than someone's watching with you or you're a part of a team yeah. um, mm-hmm. absolutely so that hits kind of relatedness or especially if you talk about why this is important or the, the the benefits of physical activity trying to make that activity meaningful like why are we doing this today do we spend enough time saying why is this important and how this benefit mm. you um so I'm linking it to the individual and then competency again instead of having to go round one in sequence but giving them the choice um this kind of gives mm. the competency and the uh, the autonomy element giving them the choice that right out of these 10 stations i want you to choose six so i don't mind which ones you go to but you can't choose you know all six upper body or whatever it might be you've got to choose six out of the ten yeah. and you've got to go upper, lower whole body mm. um but you get to choose as a pair where you go, that is way less confronting than I've got that station that's coming up that I don't really don't want to do mm-hmm. I'm going to feel really uncomfortable yeah. and it's going to really expose me. Yeah. Already, just by thinking through that PL lens, of thinking how can I tweak this to make it more meaningful, mm-hmm. more um, personalized, more inclusive, that autonomy and the choice and the start to take ownership, that's not mm-hmm. a massive tweak. It's just, yeah, yeah. like I say again, like interrogating your practice through that physical literacy lens you you not only you'll just get better you'll get a better lesson you'll get more enjoyable lessons Mm. and it will just enhance what you do it's not about um and that's it's saying the same for a lot of things a lot of people say oh this is new it's not new actually or um some people say well this is just high quality pe well there is lots of like crossover absolutely but if you do have a physical literacy enriched approach it won't be abandoning anything it will actually just be enhancing um, Enhancing high quality physical education
0: yeah really some really like valuable sort of tips that you've you've given there Liz actually and like you said it's not drastic they're not drastic changes it's just maybe a shift a shift in um perception or a shift in sort of direction and, and putting that lens over what you're actually trying to do um, yeah. which is great and obviously you know some of the work that that um david kirk and ash casey have done around models there, are are some go-tos that you can use that allow for more autonomy from the students you know like the sport education model tpsr cooperative learning those things are there that you can explore and do have purpose and value so you know i'd encourage particularly our trainees um, and teachers in you know that work with those kids every single day to explore those sorts of areas with that lens and um, focus on on top so on that on that note what you know you work with training teachers every single day and and often with PE teachers through P scholar what are you encouraging them to do every single day in practice whether that's in their in their lessons um, or in their, their daily lives
1: so I think um, one of the things we 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 do say is you know we know that teaching is tough and um i I think chat to any teacher it it can be really 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 tough um to to maintain the workload and get that work-life balance um one of the things that we're advocating for is um that notion of you know uh, putting your own um, oxygen mask on first making sure that you're looking after your own health and well-being you're enjoying your own engagement in physical activity um because if you're in a good place Um, And if teachers are in a good place, then Mm -hmm. you're more likely to be able to help others. Um, But I think sometimes, and I was certainly guilty of this as a teacher, I, I would give a lot of myself to my pupils. But and I'd come home of an evening, be absolutely exhausted. And how much was I really like kind of refilling the pot? Because mm-hmm. if my if my pot was is full, I can I can give out to others. So and it's about understanding. I think this is what the the next generation of teachers have got a lot better than possibly our generation was that they they understand it's a marathon and not a sprint. And you know mm-hmm. we got to every half term, you know probably going off being ill because we'd you know probably Mm burn the candle a bit too hard um but really understanding there is that marathon we need to be um be mindful of looking after our own well-being because if we're in a good like i said if we're in a good place we'll be able to help others but then in terms of the lessons I, i you know i think I, I'm obviously really a huge advocate for physical literacy, but also about that personal growth and you're always learning and the, the best teachers are the, the best reflective practitioners. Um, mm. We're not expecting you to be the best, just do your best um, and continually reflect. And mm. we're saying, again, it's not a sprint. You know, We're not expecting you to be an expert teacher in your PDC, but we're expecting you to be able to um, lay the foundation so that mm. over time, as you craft your teaching and learn from experience and use reflective practice and seek out ideas and implement them, be creative over time, you will become a really effective practitioner. But in terms of like my kind of golden nuggets around what I think a successful PE lesson is at the moment is um, one learning has to take place. That's the difference between us uh, and uh, extracurricular, for example, or coaching is that within the Mm -hmm. curriculum, learning needs to take place. And and not just that, but good, um, good progress by all learners needs to happen. So the fundamentals around good basics, which would be things like your routines, your transitions, so the progressive practices, there's a great flow within the lesson, it's well pitched, there's adaptive adaptability in there, um, mm-hmm. and making sure that ultimately, you've really interrogated, I think, again, that, the learning objectives, what do you want children to learn and why? And why is this important for for yeah. them? Um, so if we don't interrogate that enough, then no matter what we teach thereafter, may not be, it might be missing the mark. But just mm. really thinking about your classes and building those relationships and using your professional judgment, what do they need to learn and why? And that could be something physical, it could be motivational, it could be confidence they lack confidence, or it could be um, a specific skill. Um, mm. But that interrogation, going back to that models-based practice practice point know your peoples know what you want to teach them and why and then choose and select the best tool to be able to get there Um, and then continually reflect to think you know this is what i wanted to do this is how i approached it did i get the achieved or achieve the results i intended and and by whom did it work for some did it work for not didn't did it not work for others and continually reflect to remember that you don't have to get it right every time within every single lesson but over the learner journey over the course of a year over the course of three years over the course of their education what is the lasting legacy on impact you're going to have on those young people um and mm. you know if you imagine you know if you've been taught if you have you ever bumped into any, anyone that you've taught like what do they what do they, what are they going to say about you um, yeah
0: yeah and you want it to be positive right you want those experiences to be positive yeah um that's amazing there's some really good points now i just want to i don't want to put you on the spot here but i'm thinking if we've talked about reflective and we've talked about physical literacy being a lens what questions might a pe teacher ask themselves after their lesson
1: yeah if they're reflecting
0: on their own practice
1: so um i guess you could have lots in there but i probably Mm would um i probably would ask certain things like um you've got the mechanics of the lesson which is kind of good just good teaching you know did i meet the learning objectives was the effectiveness of that lesson so on and so on but in terms of actual physical literacy um i think to make it meaningful because and and manageable i would say um is i would probably do this where i pre-select maybe three or four children and i consider throughout the journey of that lesson whether I have supported them with their motivation, their confidence, their competence, and knowledge and understanding. How many types of feedback have I given? How encouraging have I been? Did I give them a progression or an extra teaching point, or did they move them on? Um, And because you can't do it for 30 all the time. It's not manageable. You can't have Mm -hmm. all of those strands going. But for every lesson, I probably would choose three or four, like I mentioned, and just think about how, how have I supported them as an individual and like will's got a great suggestion actually he says about kind of colored cones or bibs um, or bands even i think sometimes our feedback can be quite knowledge and understanding based so we do like a a, a questioning for knowledge and understanding but mm-hmm. how much of our interaction or our teacher talk time is geared towards motivational encouragement or building confidence or skill progression and that that teachable moment or through questioning and answering around the knowledge and understanding. So I think we actually probably spend a lot of our input time on that knowledge and understanding, but Mm. do we give positive praise? Do we look um, for opportunities to build their confidence and do we really step in and, and and really help like change their physical competence within the lesson or, you know, Mm. support them with their technique? so i think that's probably the most manageable Mm. top tip that i would give um but just to continually always look through that lens then you know thinking Mm. is any is it does everyone feel like they belong like some of this is the soft skills as well isn't it around do i greet everybody the same as they come into my lesson um or do i have many celebrities you know sometimes it's Mm. it's a it's difficult thing to do because we naturally want to gravitate towards people that are like us but do we make everybody feel like that sense of belonging do we really help everybody feel like PE is a safe place for them um, and really celebrate that everybody's progress Um, so I I think there's lots of things you could do but Mm -hmm. there's a few couple of top tips just to make it manageable
0: I was just thinking because obviously we've talked a lot about reflection we've talked a lot about physical literacy and the importance of of both so if we can reflect through you know physical literacy concepts or those pillars i think almost like reflecting through the padlock you know those four things that you said um is is a nice way to think about it um lots of lots of things to think about there so if you could summarize um you've got i know we haven't even scratched the surface in terms of what you know about physical literacy and stuff but um if you could summarize some of the key messages for the listener uh, to take away after this episode what would they what would they be
1: so I think um, my first one will be, you have the opportunity to make a difference every day and don't let the opportunity pass you by. So I think mm-hmm. um, just being, looking out for it, um, looking for the opportunity to have a positive interaction, to to build someone's self-confidence, to, to be that difference for that individual you have multiple opportunities every single day to make a difference. Um, so don't let those opportunities pass you by. You know, if the if the children come to you and say, can we start X club, you know, let's try and do it. Let's facilitate mm-hmm. it where possible. So the first one is you, you, you are making a difference every day um, yeah. and keep looking for the opportunities to make wow. a difference to all pupils. The second one would be um, that people and pupils learn who you are before what you teach them so really do take the time to build relationships and to create that positive learning environment. Because once you've got that, then the world your oyster really in terms of what you then can teach them, but invest in relationships. And, and like I say, people learn who you are before what you teach them. So be that empathetic um, advocate and champion that they know that you're a trusted adult and you, you have their best interests at heart and you know them as individuals. Mm-hmm. So that would be my second one. And then finally, I think um, sometimes uh, well, this is definitely something that's helped me um, along the way, which is um, you don't have to be the best, you just have to do your best. And I think sometimes um, having that mantra about striving for growth and trying to be the best possible version of yourself, um, but also trying to help others along the way is something that will let you succeed in all walks of life, not just within teaching or being a PE teacher, but um, just trying your best. That's what that's all that anybody can ask, you know, mm. with any project or lesson, whatever it is, just always try yeah. try your best, mm. um, strive for that personal growth and, and trying to become the best educator you can possibly be, um, help others along the way. And then you'll be surprised how far you've come when you stop and, and look back um, with the journey mm. that you've been on.
0: Brilliant. And also in doing that, you're going to role model the behaviours that you'd want your learners to to enact as well. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Wow. Liz, thank you so much. Um, I've learned a lot from that. It's been a privilege listening to your thoughts around physical literacy and I hope that the listeners have, have felt the same. Um, what I would recommend to you, if you want to know more about physical literacy, then Liz is always open for a chat. Um, apologies, Liz, if your inbox is now flooded after that. But um, I don't want to big up the podcast that much. I don't think it's got that many listeners yet. But um, uh, if you've got any sort of questions around physical literacy and how it could be applied in practice, Liz is always someone that you could go and speak to. Um, thank you for taking the time to to come on and have a chat, Liz.
1: No, thank you for the invite. It's been an absolute pleasure. And that's a genuine um, call. You know, anybody that wants to talk physical literacy with me at any mm. point, I'm more than well. I'm more than welcome in a conversation with anyone. But yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Um, and make sure you check out all the other um, podcasts as well. I'll, I'll do the plug for you. Um, this has Thanks, been great, Lisa. some great episodes. And um, if that's what it's all about, isn't it? Just from learn- learning from one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and uh, make sure to to check in to future episodes as well.